This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Thank You All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to help us recap uh, Week 10 Sunday in the NFL is Jason Locke and Fora Odyssey, NFL Insider. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. We got to talk about the Browns and the Ravens. What a fantastic contest that was. In terms of the Ravens, how loud is the panic meter right now? Was that such a bad loss uh, to lose it at the end of regulation uh, to where Baltimore is looking perhaps a tad more fraudulent than we thought? Well, all I was being asked last week at the beginning of the week is how are the Baltimore Ravens ever going to lose a game again? And who could you possibly ever put (laughs) ahead of the Baltimore Ravens on your power rankings? And Jason, what? You thought they might not make the playoffs. You're such a jackass. Like, clearly they're <laughs> going to run the table and beat everybody <laughs> by 30 points or more into perpetuity. Um, and, and my response was, well, I have two critical areas of concern with them. And maybe here's why I haven't anointed them the way some others have. They don't have a GD wide receiver on that roster who can make a play downfield. Zay Flowers makes them underneath an intermediate. It's still Mark Andrews and nobody else. And this defense is inclined to crap the bed in the fourth quarter when it matters most. And I'm not sure they've overcome either of those, right? They just gave up 175 yards and 17 points to Arizona in the fourth quarter, an Arizona team that had seven fourth quarter points all season coming in. So you can tell me, well, they didn't care about that game and it was so far. And and you know what? I bought a lot of that. Like, But against Cleveland, when you've got the early 17-point cushion, and then James Prochet, former Raven, muffs a punt, and they, and then you get a bunch of calls from the officials to sustain that drive, and you go up by 14 with 11 and change to play at home against the Browns' offense that had been terrible pretty much all season, and you give that up, you know, like that's exactly why I was one of the ones. Like Carl Dukes and I got into it on the In the Huddle podcast last week. He's like. Oh, well, you just can't say that they're the best team in football. I'm like, well, here, I have major concerns. They don't have anybody who wins on the outside. Because even the tight end, it's mostly over the middle. I don't see a receiver on this roster who wins downfield on the outside. And I don't know that this defense closes out games when they really need it. And, you know, if you yeah. watch the game, you, you, you saw it. You know, it's Zay Flowers underneath, a little bit of that stuff. But I think Lamar Jackson, well, I don't think, I know. He's 10 for 31 on balls this season that traveled 20 yards or more through the air. Um, and when he throws them to Rashad Bateman, their de facto number one outside guy, uh, for his career, there's three times as many more interceptions as touchdowns. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. We, we talked about it yesterday on BetMGM Game Day, maybe an under-the-radar way to bet on the Ravens via props, Keaton Mitchell. <laughs> 
And we saw the explosion early, and we're like, whoa, yep. he's in store for a big day, and then didn't see him the rest of the way. Is Keaton Mitchell the second most explosive player on this offense right now, and what's it going to take for him to get more looks? Yeah, I mean, look, he had nine for 138, a touchdown against Seattle, a 40-yard run, a 60-yard run. Um I liked him a lot in this matchup because he's not a speed guy who you just have to run out of 11 personnel, you know, and try to clear out the box and get finesse with three wide receivers. I liked what they did against Seattle with him on the field and the fullback, Pat Ricard, and go back and watch the explosive run that Pat Ricard's involved. Uh, And then, yeah, the kid's only on the field for four snaps in the second half and touches the ball once. And everybody on the team was saying, we got to get him the ball more. And you've got a 14-point lead right, against the defensive line that's eviscerating your offensive line in the pass rush, you would think a few more screen passes to Keaton Mitchell might have been the difference in the game. I, I don't know how to explain it. My guess is um, there is no cogent explanation for it. it. It just sort of happened. It got lost in the mix. Todd Munkin was calling a lot more play, And some of it was probably the offensive line issues and then wanting Justice Hill their most proven pass protector involved, but that doesn't mean you can't hand the ball off to Keaton Mitchell, even if, you know, you're worried about him not being your best pass protector uh, for your quarterback. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, One more explosive play probably wins the game for them. On a day where they couldn't sustain anything anyway, it was just a chunk play here, a chunk play there, a critical uh, official's decision here. I mean, he went over the 21 and a half, easy. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, there was more. There was more meat on that bone. The Jags got destroyed yesterday, and the Texans only one game behind them for the division. You can still find yeah. the Texans plus two fifty to win the division. I'm just curious how you rate this Texans team, and is that a bet you would place? Looking at the Jags' upcoming schedule, looks tough. Meanwhile, the Texans may be a little bit easier. Is this a bet that folks might want to think about playing now? Well, I'll say this. Um, I was off the Jags game yesterday. I wanted to see what this San Francisco thing looked like, all putting back together, most importantly being Trent Williams. He is undoubtedly, unquestionably, the number one cog in that offense. Um and they're back to being a machine. And obviously, Chase Young looks pretty good opposite Bosa. Uh, the Texans, I thought, were in trouble here in Cincinnati. If you really drill down on them offensively, they are one thing at home and one thing on the road. And I felt like they were running into a bit of a buzzsaw here, even with the Bengals injuries. And I like Cincinnati to cover. I was dead wrong. And C.J. Stroud going on the road when all eyes were on him after that five touchdown performance and doing what he did to Lou Anarumo's defense and, and doing it in the clutch and doing it repeatedly late. I I mean, I've already jumped on him on the early look ahead line for next week. Um, Yeah. I think they're, and he did it without his full cast around him. Uh, Yeah. I think they're pretty legitimate. It's a very good, very deep offensive line. This kid is obviously special. Um, He's, you know, Collins and Dell, and I know Collins was banged up, didn't play, but like they, they've got a good thing going there. And defensively, they've been really good against the pass, even since early last season, when they still stunk overall as a football team. You could look at their secondary and say, you know, you wish they had more picks, but they don't give up many passing touchdowns. So yeah, I think I think 
they're going to make it interesting for Jacksonville. And it was right around this time last year that I was telling people jump on Jacksonville. I think he'd get them at four to one. And they obviously ran away with that thing. I'm not sure that 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 Houston quite pulls it off, but it's certainly worth a sprinkle. I couldn't agree with you more there, uh, just in terms of value and the number you're getting. Uh, that's for darn sure. You were talking about the lack of deep threats for the Ravens, and I wanted to bring up a little bit of research here. In terms of passes beyond 20 air yards, the highest passer rating among qualified quarterbacks belongs to C.J. Stroud at 147 and a half. I find that fascinating just in terms yeah. of, you know, backing the Texans going forward in key spots. But second place of the passer rating of 143 on uh, deep passes, it's Brock Purdy. How much did he develop as a quarterback since the bye week? He got Trent Williams back. He, I mean, that's, it's as simple as that. He can, they can run yeah. all their boots. They can run all their waggles. It opens up the entire playbook. He's not just simply a pocket passer. He, you know, it, it unlocks the hell out of the run game. Just watch Trent Williams road grade people 15, 20, 30 yards down the field. So now the outside zone is back to being like, forget about it. If they run outside zone left, what are we going to do about it? Right. And you're so focused on that, that now play action. And he got Debo back. Like, no, he's th- this, he's back in the super highly functional, like DVOA efficiency monster offense, where now you can just be a point guard. And then that being the point guard will allow some wide open three point shots. But when they like, look, just go look at his splits when they're tied, when they're trailing and when they're leading. So I I don't think all that, like he's changed. I think they got, they got a, you know, a hall of fame left tackle back. And then that allows Shanahan to call the game the way he wants to call it, which makes the quarterback, you know, uh, he's not the tugboat. He's the thing being pulled by the tugboat. Trent Williams, the tugboat. Um, yeah, and as for Stroud, just one more thing on him. Like, he had been destroying teams that blitzed him, but if he sat back and play zone, it was kind of a different thing. And Anarumo doesn't blitz a lot in Cincinnati, and he wasn't going to blitz a lot in this game. And I thought he'd toggle between coverages and give the kid trouble. And I did think he'd throw a pick, and he did, but he overcame it. Like, I, I, that's, that performance for me for C.J. Stroud elevates him to another level. What that performance mm-hmm. from Brock Purdy told me was what I already knew. Everything is together there. They will win eight out of every nine games with him. When it's not, especially the left tackle, it's an, and if he has to play from behind early in a the game, they could lose to any quality team, especially on the road. Yeah, and, and Stroud backed it up after 470 last week, and, and then he ends up doing that yesterday as a sizable underdog. Well, we finally got some scoring in this league. Like There were some overs that just crushed where it, it was evident early in the game. Um, one of my favorite terms that you use for quarterbacks, there's a certain list that, that you call double agents. Any any uh, quarterback stand out as a double agent of the week? Well, I mean, after two passes, it looked like it was going to be Deshaun Watson. Uh, <laughs> right? But, uh, but not so much. Um, I'm just trying to think back on the games. Uh, Mac Jones? <laughs> well, he, I mean, <laughs> He got yanked for Zappy. I mean, Zappy probably should have started the game. That thing should have happened sooner. Um, you know, look, I, there's, I mean, there's just not a lot of good quarterbacks right now, right? I mean, right. You, you look at even some guys who flashed like Levis, you know, and what that looked like the first game, and then they have to go on the road a couple weeks in a row, and it's, you know, it, it, it's something uh, totally different entirely. Um, 
I, I mean, look, Jameis Winston, and I, Jameis is way more fun than Derek Carr, right? But if, if <laughs> yeah. all you need is one, if all you need is like three more yards to Alvin Kamara, and Carr goes out and Winston comes in, you're thinking what? He's going to throw bombs away. These drives are going to end shorter than we wanted because he's going to throw a first, an interception on first down. We'll throw an interception on second down. We won't even get the third and short where maybe they check it down to Kamara, right? And he he brings home the paycheck. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but he's fun. Like, and he'll push the ball downfield. And you saw wide receivers, like, lighten up like they haven't all year. But they still lost the game. Um, and, and I told you, Joe, I love Minnesota on the money line there. And that got a little closer than I thought it might at the end. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's just – there's there's a lot of teams that are playing right now that, that just don't have um, requisite play at, at quarterback. Um, and, yeah. look, Joe Burrow, as great as he played, if you want to talk about double agents, I mean, those interceptions were – were absolutely critical and played a major role in them not being able to win that game as great as everything else Burrow did to keep them in it. Mm-hmm. Another term that you like to use and when a team punches down, we've seen Miami punching down this season, but now they've got the Raiders. I don't know what to make of this Raiders team, but this spread is at 10, an early look at these two teams. Is that enough points? Too many? What are your initial early thoughts on that one? My gut is even after I do my work, that's a game I will probably stay away from. I love Raiders money line last night. I I like the Raiders to win these first two games. I know Antonio Pierce pretty well. I covered him as a beat writer a long time ago. Um, I knew he'd feed Josh Jacobs. I mean, I was all over, you know, the only thing Jacobs didn't do is get that touchdown. And it's, man, yeah, it's not for that fumble, which I mean, Okay, whatever. I guess he fumbled. Um, you know, he probably does. I think they know who they are and they have an identity and they'll play a physical brand of football that Miami, you know, struggles with. But Miami at home offensively is just another level. And now they're coming off the bye and they are pretty healthy. Um, that's a big number. I, I, I'll i probably just play, you know, Jacob's props for the yeah. most part. Um but like that's that defense in 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 Vegas is like it wasn't terrible before, and the compete level now is just to another level with Pierce there. So I don't know if you can find odds on like Pierce to keep the job, but I mean I wrote about it at the Washington Post as soon as it had as soon as it went down. Like Mark Davis will be inclined. Like if he can show what Basaccia showed when he was the interim, Antonio Pierce mm-hmm. is going to keep that job. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, got about a minute left here. Monday night football, Broncos and Bills. Buffalo's a seven-point favorite, total of 47 and a half. What do you like here? I like the Broncos, and I have sprinkled on the money line with Denver um, mm. on a bunch of different parlays as well as as straight up. I'll, I, I played it more, you know, also at seven and a half, but obviously I, have no, I don't have a problem with it. At seven, I think Williams is going to be fed here. You look at Sean Payton, they have an identity. They're three and two in their last five games. The last four weeks, they're running the ball almost 50% of the time. Top four in that rate. Williams looks like he's all the way back. The Bills can't stop the run. Um, You're seeing Russell Wilson's legs activated a lot. I'll take the points with the Broncos. It's it's an under game for me. The Broncos have become a time of possession team. They're going to slow it down. The Bills want to speed it up. Josh Allen, I'm going to keep playing his rushing overs in alt markets at 40 plus. 
Um, Williams, I think he gets 20 carries in this game. I think Williams goes over 70 yards rushing. Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the Bills do need to get right in the worst way. They will host a Broncos team coming off the bye. We'll have our favorite bets for Monday Night Football right here on the BetQL Network. Thanks, Jason. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Time to talk a little Monday night football between the Broncos and the Bills. Buffalo's a seven-point favorite at home. The total is 47 and a half. Joe, are we just going to do another primetime under and call it a night, or are we going to dig a little bit more deeply here when it comes to uh, how to play a really interesting spread? I'm not betting the primetime under. I'm not. Uh, I don't know if you guys are. This might – I don't think I'm going to have a play on the total. Uh, I have a a two-leg teaser. I did the primetime teaser. It seemed pretty obvious last night. You take uh, Vegas and you get it above a touchdown, and then then the other one is uh, the Bills minus one. So I'll be rooting for the Bills to just win this game. But I was thinking about that. If I were to step in and do something with this total, I would only consider going over. Only consider going over. I mean, the Broncos' defense has is improved. Okay, they're not going to be one of the worst of all time. Guess what? They're still dead last in DVOA, EPA per play, success rate, EPA per drop back, EPA, you know, 30th in EPA per rush. Like, they're, they're still a bad defense. And let, let's say they're closer to below average. Guess what? Closer to below average is going to get exposed by Josh Allen and mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs and Dalton Kincaid. Like, good luck with all that. Now, we talked to Aaron Schatz last week about DVOA and he stressed how bad this Bills defense has been over the last months, uh, last month or so with the injuries piling up. Micah Hyde, their safety is now out. Well, he joins Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, Trey White, Elam uh, on that defense. Like they're missing key components. It's no surprise that over the last month, they've been a bottom three to a bottom five defense. So I would, uh, there is no chance in hell that I would go under in this game. I know it's a little bit of a higher number. We're sitting at 47 and a half right now at the right now. And it was, uh, it's below that 47 last week. It was 46 and a half, but now 47 and a half. I get that move to the over. 
I understand it. If I'm betting a total, I would only go under, go over rather, and I'm not going. I'm not going to bet it. I'll be cheering for my teaser as far as side total. A lot of people I trust on Denver taking that seven. There's a reason, Aaron, it went from seven and a half down to a flat seven. Yeah, and JLC likes it too. I don't know why. I'm just not interested in getting involved in the side here. I'm looking forward right. to seeing the game, but both these teams are capable of doing, uh, I guess, over-exceeding expectations or just being <laughs> flat-out bad. So I think this is a pass for me all on the side and the total. Definitely like some props here. You mentioned Stefan Diggs, and I know this is uh, a digression here, but there is a mm-hmm. hilarious Instagram video where a reporter is asking the players in the locker room who they would not want to date their sister, and everyone was like, without a doubt, Stefan Diggs. And then oh, they got to Diggs, and he's like, dang, I'm a great guy. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> it was but isn't that how that works, though? I watched it three times. I was dying laughing. He definitely got thrown under the bus. I don't know when that was. It might be really old. So they definitely came together and were like, okay, everybody say digs. Everybody say digs. Right? That's what happened there. Perhaps. Or it's like you're you're not the most upstanding of people when it comes to like dating a sister or whatever, but you're absent-minded. It's like no situational awareness. And I feel like that character flaw, if we want to use extreme language, that character flaw is something where you don't think you have it, but you absolutely do. And you need it pointed out by uh, several other people for you to start to bring in the idea, hey, maybe I need to clean things up. Maybe I do need to to, to be right with my significant other. I don't know, but my uh, my answer my would idea. be Jake. That's my answer. Nobody asked, but that's my answer. <laughs> of course, he'll say that when he's not here to defend himself. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, oh, damn. No, I I would I would rather say it when he is here. You know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean. Yes, he's younger. On he's he's on the prowl, so that makes sense. On the prowl. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's making out with people. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, Probably, yeah. like in front yeah. of his parents, ripping his pants. Like you can't trust someone like that. <laughs> it's been a bu- it's been a busy fall for Jake. Yeah. Jake, there's a lot I'll going say. on. A lot yeah. going on there. So, I'll say. Know. Good night. Anyway, uh, if there's a side I like, I'm actually going to go against the people I respect. Now, first off, Joe, I agree with you that like if you're going to play the total, it, it's the over or it's nothing. Because a lot of these primetime unders are because the quarterbacks are terrible. And yeah. I would argue Josh Allen, first off, has been fantastic. Now, he needs to be sensational and perhaps even transcendent because of all these Bills defensive injuries for Buffalo to make a real run to the Super Bowl here. That is a fair point. But in terms of, is he playing well? Absolutely, he's playing well. Second in CPOE, fourth in EPA per drop back. Josh Allen is due for positive regression when it comes to the scoreboard, not so much his advanced numbers. He's just fine as far as that's concerned. And then with Russell Wilson, look, he's not a bad quarterback, folks. He might be mediocre. He might be average, but he's not terrible. He can complete passes against safety coverages, but he also has a high sack rate against them at greater than 8%. So I look at this and say, 
when those split safety coverages come out, don't be surprised if there is a strip sack or a fumble of some kind by Russell Wilson or maybe an interception where he's trying to force the issue and then Josh Allen gets a short field. That's why I think the Bills Mm -hmm. cover this. That's why I think this game can very well go over. But then Mm -hmm. when you're going to the prop market, this to me is really fascinating because there are a lot of really interesting ways to play this. Dalton Kincaid, uh, most bet on ticket props uh, for BetMGM to score an anytime touchdown is plus 210. Stefan Diggs to score the first touchdown is at six to one. Joe, there are a lot of really interesting places in the prop market that will keep me fixated on Monday night. I'm trying to take a step back and look at it, but I love Dalton Kincaid. I'm a big Mm -hmm. fan. And and it is obvious that Josh Allen is looking for him. There's any sign of trouble. That's his outlet, dude. He's going to him again and again and again. Last three games, Dalton Kincaid, 23 grabs on 26 targets, 221 yards and a touchdown. So he's been averaging 74 over the last three games. His prop numbers, five and a half catches, 52 and a half yards. I still like going over. And let's let's look at tight ends against the Broncos. It's probably not fair because he's they've already seen Kelsey twice. So, but you know, last time they actually did all right against him against the uh, position between Kelsey and Gray. It was eight for eighty-three, and Kelsey also had a, a big game earlier in the season: one hundred twenty-four yards, nine catches on nine targets. So if we look elsewhere, were there some other games where the tight end position had a good game against the Broncos? Yes, there were. The Jets tight ends had 81 yards. Tyler Conklin, 67 of them. The Bears had 111 yards. Cole Komet had 85. Robert Tunyon, who nobody has seen all year for the Bears, he had a couple of catches. Uh, Let's see, Commanders, Commanders game, 89 yards in that one. John Bates, 46. Logan Thomas, 22. Cole Turner, 22. So uh, tight end position has been producing against this Broncos defense, and I'm sure we can make the case that any position has been producing against this Broncos defense. But, uh, yeah, I, I like Kincaid here, and he's almost, what, 2-1 to one for a touchdown, 15-1 to one for two touchdowns, but really looking at the receptions because Allen keeps on keeps on going to him. And, and if you're the Broncos defense, I'm sure they're stressing Stefan Diggs more than Kincaid. Mm-hmm. So I already bet James Cook over on his rushing prop, but I also am thinking maybe Josh Allen will have a rushing touchdown and bet MGM has the best Best. number at plus 130. He has scored a Mm. touchdown in in all but three games this season. So I really like that. And you're getting plus 130 at bet MGM. I could definitely see him running one in. I mean, this Broncos run defense is the worst in the league. I, I don't get this the Broncos love today. I don't, I don't get either. it. Can somebody explain this? To uh, me? They, they can run coming it down off of a bye that might help. Say again, Paul. Yeah. Coming off a of bye, the defense has been better. The Bills are struggling. The you can hand it to similar to the Chiefs game. You can hand the ball to Javante and have him run all over a pretty weak uh, run defense. Keeps the game close, uh, slower pace. You know, anything can kind of happen. Like, big spread for a game that could be kind of a methodical, uh, drawn-out game. I am personally hoping the Bills kind of get – it's a get-right spot for them. Um, yeah. As I, I placed that 20-1 to 1 bet last week, kind of by the dip a little bit for a Super Which Bowl. Which 20-1? to 1? And then it, a Super Bowl. Okay. Bills, 
Bills Super Bowl, not Josh. I just think it's too crowded, maybe, uh, for MVP. Although, okay. again, no one's really running away with it. The fact that CJ Stroud is now jumping in the conversation, it's like it's still I'm just, wide open. So. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I please finish your point in a second. But, like, yeah, the Super Bowl, I'm with that. And I understand the idea that maybe Super Bowl you have a better chance because you were pretty sure that they're going to be in the playoffs. But nobody has a stranglehold on MVP. Nobody. It's wide right. open. He's far and away the highest total EPA. And here we go, a an island spot where he can just – go off against a terrible defense had the Broncos defense has been better though like those first three weeks first month okay. really kind of skews it a little bit um sure. I know that mm-hmm. Ed's favorite corner in the league they finally uh, took him out of the mix was it um Mathis I Op- believe, the, the guy opposite Sertan yeah, yeah they yeah. benched him right yeah. Yeah. right mm-hmm. um and then if you look at the schedule and like again this doesn't necessarily impact tonight's game but man if they don't if the Bills don't win tonight like oh it's ooh, over baby. like jets it's over yeah it's over. season over jets at Season's home done. fine yeah yeah i mean you could split i guess and still have a chance but then you go to philly to kansas city host the cowboys at the chargers dolphins looming in week 18 which honestly i don't think it's going to matter either way i think either the bills will be out or the dolphins will be locked into number one in the east and the bills could be locked into their playoff spot mm-hmm I think it matters a great deal in terms of who the Broncos have played in order for us to determine if this defense really has improved. Uh, You go back to week eight prior to the bye, and it was that weird Chiefs game where everybody had the flu. So I don't know if I want to, you know, (laughs) assume that the Broncos are way better just because of context. Prior to that, it was the Packers with Jordan Love. He's not playing well. Prior to that, it was that really low-scoring Chiefs game. And then before that, it was the Jets. So I think schedule matters a great deal when we're talking about what this Broncos secondary can and cannot do. Now they're getting a much tougher challenge in Josh Allen, who is probably due for positive regression when it comes to just scoring points. The advanced metrics have been very, very kind to him. And that to me suggests, okay, only scoring 18 against that Bengals defense That's not going to happen anymore. Like, now we're going to see the Bills' offense really come to life. And I think that can happen just as soon as today. And so it's one of the reasons why I'm backing uh, the Bills to cover the larger number. I think that's fine. But, Paul, while you're here, you know, Javante Williams for the Broncos, like, do we want to continue the bit here in terms of his rushing prop? Yeah, I I mean, the number's 54-and-a-half, 55-and-a-half. Like, Mm -hmm. again, I think he's going to – break off some chunk plays. I think I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable yeah. playing uh, the over there and the bills have one of the worst run defenses in the league. Like, again, we saw this against the mm-hmm. chiefs, which is kind of weird. Like two of the elite teams in the AFC were considering both very susceptible to the run. Um, I think you can definitely mess around with some alt lines too. Like if you want to do like an 80 plus, of course, game script could throw this sideways. The bills come out, they turn it into a track meet, you know, then you're in trouble, especially yeah. with the alt lines. But even that first chiefs game, Javante got to, I think it was in the 40s. He got there pretty easily in the first half. So I think mid 50s, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Uh, I don't even know the number, but I'm just thinking Javante rush attempts. He had 27 before the bye against that against the Chiefs. So you would think he's going to get a ton of looks, try to limit the possessions for Josh Allen. You would think. Yeah. Yeah, Javante. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Is this like a Sean Payton off 
the buy situation and people just going off recency bias because I still am like scratching my head on the Broncos stuff. Like I just can't get on board and maybe I'm totally wrong. Dude, Russ has been playing well. I mean, and I'm, I'm a no Russ hater, uh, but I mean, His you know, the, between the injuries on the Bills still... defense. Yeah. Really bad, Paul. What for you know, and the other thing too is, I mean, if you look at all of this games, it's bad. Still not good. The Bills defense invites the run. Like, just don't, you know, we're we're not going to give up explosive plays. We're going to invite the run, which is why I think the Javante Williams look is fantastic here. But you can't expect the Broncos to be able to keep up in a game where they're inviting the run and they're going to take what the defense is giving them. I think Russ can play well, but how well to beat the Bills? Like, he's going to have to be lights out and – even as I'm calling him average, you know, that goes both ways. It cuts both ways. Like I'm saying, no, he doesn't have the ceiling to be able to beat them, but he doesn't have the floor to where, you know, he's going to struggle in a game like this. And so seven is a little sharp, but I would still take. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. Uh, it's, it's tough with the receivers, like the Kansas city game. I'm not going to kill Russ for 114 yards because remember those were all short fields. So there's only yes. so many chances for him. Exactly. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we got to talk about college football because this was a nutty weekend. That's right here on the BetQL Network. Daily, presented by BetMGM with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And this weekend in college football was outstanding in terms of off-the-field storylines. And let's start at Texas A&M. They have fired their head coach, Jimbo Fisher, who will be owed approximately $77 million in his buyout. Joe, I wish I were the head coach of Texas A&M. I know. Uh, that was my first thought when I saw that come across yesterday morning. It's like, man, how do I get into this racket? <laughs> they, you're so bad, they're going to pay you to go away. Oh, my gosh. Just what do they care? They'll just find money for the next guy. Uh, they did this. They did the same with Sumlin, right? He was paid a lot of Pretty money much. to go away. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's just that's just and what Fisher they do had a worse there. record than him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it it has not been a great run. Like Mike Sherman, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll just they'll just spend whatever. But yeah, right. I, Jimbo Fisher, like he could be done. I I doubt he will be. But he can be just done coaching. I, I know the ego of a lot of these coaches. They don't want to go out like this, but I would just – I'd be fine walking away. That's what I would do. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a great deal. I mean, it it's incredible. Uh, I, the candidates – do you think Dan Lanning 
is gonna want that job. I saw Dan Campbell. Mm. Some of the names being thrown around. <laughs> we could get Nick Saban Dan to come Campbell. to A&M. No, I yeah. Just... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I, I don't think Dan Campbell. I think, is a great job. I, I really think it's a great job because you have no trouble recruiting. Jimbo Fisher could recruit. Right. That wasn't the problem. The problem was turning in all that talent into something formidable on the team and also having a more than competent quarterback. Couldn't do that, even though Jimbo Fisher was supposed to be this offensive mastermind. I mean, he was the one who made Jameis Winston go at Florida State. But the the job is good. The job is very, very good. Uh, the problem is, like, it's not – there's no history of winning there. So, mm. I mean, how much does that matter? It shouldn't all that much because, I mean, you've got a 100,000-seat stadium, so the home field advantage is good. The facilities are fantastic. It, you know, you are a you know a flagship school in a great recruiting bed in Texas. A&M should be a very good job. And so I suspect that they can attract just about any guy they want there and it'll turn out just fine for them. Now, what's going to be interesting to me, and I don't see numbers up right now, you know, I'm always thinking about, you know, second order, third order, you know, consequences to all of this is, okay, Texas A&M LSU, what does it mean for A&M they don't have Jimbo Fisher anymore? What's that going to mean in terms of how competitive they're going to be in a game like this? And does that mean, because Jaden Daniels is in the Heisman conversation still, despite LSU's record. Jaden Daniels could yeah. very well win this honor, and now he gets to face Texas A&M that may very well quit on the season. Does that help him in terms of his Heisman chances? So if you're trying to think galaxy brain here, I think this is an important consequence to the A&M news, Joe. Yeah, the A&M great job thing, that's so interesting because my first thought is it a great job in a high pressure situation when you, everything that you said is also true for the competition in the SEC and just the immediate pressure when you get paid that much money, you're going to be expected to win right away. But it's like the, the landscape has changed so much. You can say the same thing about anybody in the Big Ten, anybody going to the Big Ten. Like, look at what you're going against. They have a great recruiting base. Look how strong the top of the conference is. Like, in this changing landscape where we're only going to have a few conferences probably in the end are many looking to go to the ACC, maybe a bit of a landing spot, only two teams you're chasing instead of five top 20 teams that you're chasing every single year. It's fascinating. Your angle on Heisman, boy, is there a lot to unpack just off what happened in the weekend. Bo Nix, an odds-on favorite. Bo Nix is an odds-on favorite. He's minus 110 this morning. That that is, boy, that's wrong. <laughs> I don't know how I else to say wrong. it. Really? Well, I, I'm just saying that Jaden Daniels is closer than that. Between minus mm-hmm. one, you think he should be plus four hundred compared to minus one ten for Knicks? Oh no, no, that to me is different. Like, okay. I, I think where Knicks is is fine. Uh, I'm seeing even money at BetMGM. I think that's okay. Jaden Daniels at four to one. That. That seems a little long to me, you know, just a little, yeah. bit, you know, in large part because you you look at advanced models that take into account passing yards and rushing yards and things like that. And I think Nate Manzo has a really good one called Tanya. Uh, Jaden Daniels is number one in that metric, and he's starting to lap the field. 
And I think part of the issue is team record because LSU is not going to be playing for a championship. Alabama has already won the SEC West. LSU has too many losses to make the playoff. How much does that matter? Or is this, say, a Lamar Jackson season where maybe team record doesn't matter as much, but because we don't like the quarterbacks who are going to be competing in the playoff, that opens the door for someone else who is at least competent. And here, that might mean Jaden Daniels. I think four to one's probably a little long. I think there's some value there, but as far as Bo Nix uh, being the favorite, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, there were just so many big movers based off one game. Like Marvin Harrison jumped to five to one. He was fifteen to one. Then he jumps to five to one. Jordan Travis free falls. He was in that ten to fifteen range, or I think it actually shorter. He's like seven or nine, and then now he's sixty to one. Michigan goes out and wins. They're ten and zero. J.J. McCarthy does not attempt a pass in the second half of that game. Two weeks ago, he was the favorite for the Heisman. He's 120 to 1 now. It's crazy. Hmm. Crazy. Like, he should have fallen, but I never thought he on Monday morning he would be 120 to 1 after being the favorite a couple weeks ago. This is fascinating what's happening. So at the end of the day, are they going to look at straight-up numbers or are they also going to factor in competition you faced and like strength of schedule? Because I mean, the top three all seem like pretty balanced and I think it's tight, but then how do you, how do you make that decision? You know, when they all have I pretty good know. stats and seem balanced. I don't know. Like we always talk about the playoff and it's last year where the, that's such a big part of the Heisman. So is the Knicks, Penix, whichever one ends up being in the playoff, assuming one of them ends up in the playoff, are they going to be the favorite? Like, Penix has fallen too. He has the same odds as Jaden Daniels, which is interesting. Yes, he's not looking like he did a little bit over a month ago, but, you know, Washington still hasn't lost here. So, no. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of interesting angles. Milrow's number has been cut been cut week after week after week. Is there still time for him to do something if there's a path for Bama? Uh, to that point, in the title odds, Bama's now the third favorite at MGM. Mm -hmm. They're not in the top four, but Bama's the third favorite. Oregon's the fourth favorite. Florida State and Ohio State, the fifth favorite teams that are in, according to the committee. So there's a there's a bit of a, a, a push and pull when it comes to what, what the bookmakers believe and then what the committee believes. Hmm. Committee's always on an island, aren't they? Like they're always doing their own thing. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. There's no consistency. The transparency isn't nearly as much as we would like for it to be. So I'm with you that it's odd. I mean, looking at the look ahead between Oregon and Washington, uh, I don't think that's finalized yet. But uh, in case mm -hmm. that game does happen, Oregon's a six and a half point favorite. Kind of goes back to my point about head to head, by the way. Uh, but regardless, yes. I, I look at that and say, yeah, the market knows Oregon is six and a half points better than Washington. They can set this now. And to me, it's a fairly sharp number. That's how much better Bo Nix is playing right now. So in that respect, I think it's just fine. And I think, too, when it comes to the Heisman, telling that hashtag narrative does matter a great deal. But what is interesting to me is that this feels like the first time in a long time where we're not really surprised, if this makes sense. Bo Nix was definitely bandied about as being one of the top quarterbacks in America at the mm -hmm. start of the season. 
Penix was also part of that conversation. Jaden Daniels, like, didn't he have the second shortest odds preseason, third shortest, whatever it was? Uh, mm-hmm. Jaden Milrow, you know, it's you know a little longer than that, I think. But it's definitely something where we're not seeing this random name come out of nowhere to seize that. And there are a couple of weeks left where maybe that can happen. But the fascinating thing to me is that we don't have that dark horse candidate kind of come in and seize this thing. It really hasn't happened. I mean, like maybe for a week or two, somebody would come in and be a part of the conversation, but there's no real surprise element. And that is the part that we always get, but it's not happening here. But are we sure that's going to be the case at the end? Because at this point, a couple years ago, Devontae was not in the picture. You're right. And then he ends up winning. So, mm-hmm. or is it going to be one of these quarters? I don't know. It's it's so wide open. With just mm-hmm. a limited amount of time left, it seems to be wide open. Like, Corum jumped his teammate McCarthy over at Michigan. So, are we willing to say, okay, mm-hmm. Georgia and Michigan, they're top two in a title. odds, basically co-favorites right now to win the title. Mm-hmm. That they are not going to have someone in the mix for the Heisman, neither team. Is that what we're saying right now? So that's what the odds are saying. It, I guess with you don't have much, many games left, right, to make your case at this point, which is why I would be a little concerned about betting on a dark horse, right? Or are you saying it's still possible? It's possible, but we're Only just trying to find who is it. I don't know who it right. is. Who can it be? Like, who are yeah. the real options here? Because – Part of the issue is there aren't that many, you know, like you said, there aren't that many weeks left. And what are the high profile games are going to get us to pay attention? Like, okay, Ohio State, Michigan, big high profile games. We're definitely going to be watching that. Pac-12 championship game. That's going to matter a great deal. We're running out of games that will get Heisman voters attention. And that's probably another thing that may very well go up against uh, Jaden Daniels is that he may have a phenomenal performance against A&M, but then he's not playing that final weekend championship Saturday, and that might hurt him more than we think. And he already yes. has three losses, so maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they care. What It seems like they don't care about that right now. <laughs> so at least the odds make They may so. not just because there aren't too many other options. Like, he may just mm-hmm. sort of, like, by default, so to speak, like it's just a Lamar Jackson here. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our first look at the Week 11 NFL card. That's right here on the BetQL Network.